0: Welcome to the Experiencing Joy in Jesus Christ podcast. I'm Brother Webb. And I'm Brother Anderson, excited for today's journey of joy. Let's go! Hey everybody, Brother Webb here, just giving an intro to this week's podcast. It's an exciting week this week. It's March 3rd hard to believe. It's already March. Uh, This week, you've got a wonderful opportunity to listen to Nicole interview one of the missionaries in her mission from Canada. Her name is Lily. And I've got a page full of notes here from Lily and the things that she shared. Um, She shares about her reassignment uh, as a missionary and and, uh, maybe not reacting to her, her first mission call the same way that everyone or that at least we hear people saying that they reacted to their first mission call she has a, a a handful of examples of having her plans changed and her world kind of turned upside down um if you're somebody who thrives on a plan what do you do when that plan doesn't go the way that you had anticipated and lily share some wonderful insights about that Um, She says something towards the end that I just thought was so powerful about everything that Heavenly Father has ever told her to do, and I encourage you to listen for that. Grateful for all of the young adults who are doing such a great job on this podcast, and if you're a young adult and you're listening to this podcast, if this is your first one or if you've listened to others, please share it with other people. We know there are so many out there who would be blessed by it, and when you share it, on your socials it reaches a lot more people enjoy this episode with nicole and lily
1: all right everybody welcome back to the experiencing the joy of jesus christ podcast my name is nicole and i'm here again as a with a one-on-one episode of our podcast for this week Um, we just wanted to remind everyone that this podcast is an official institute course and that you can register and sign up, join the WhatsApp, and follow us on Instagram. We just started our new Instagram. It's at joyofjesuschristpod, and all that intro information will be in the show notes. Um, I'm super excited for today's guest. We have my friend Lily Parker here with us. Um, Before we jump into the interview, I'm going to share just a little antidote from something that I studied recently that I thought I wanted to share here on the podcast about a new definition of experiencing the joy of Jesus Christ. Um, so this past week in early Society, we're reading a talk from Elder Bednar or a BYU speech from 2001. And he was talking about the difference between the redeeming love or the redeeming power of Christ and the enabling power of Christ. And he says, but we also need to appreciate that the Lord desires through his atonement and by the power of the Holy ghost to live in us, not only to direct us, but also to empower us. I frankly do not think many of us get it concerning this enabling and strengthening aspect of the atonement, and I wonder if we mistakenly believe we must make the journey from good to better and become a saint all by ourselves through sheer grit, willpower, and discipline, and with our obviously limited capacities, and he goes on to talk about how we have this natural tendency to pray for our circumstances to change when we could be praying for the strength for us to be able to change our own circumstances or the strength to deal with our circumstances. And he gives this example of Alma and the Zoramites, and he shares Alma 31, 38. And he says, and the Lord provided for them that they should not hunger, neither should they thirst. Yet he also gave them strength that they should suffer no manner of afflictions, save it were swallowed up in the joy of Christ. So of course, that kind of roundabout thinking got me thinking about our podcast and how we can replace or see as a synonym, the joy of Jesus Christ as the enabling power of the atonement or as, or grace, even that elder Bednar talks about. Um, So I think that's another definition that we can add to our list that we've kind of been wrapping up here on the podcast. So just wanted to share that thought. Um, I can share some of the, more of those resources and ideas that I had on social media as well as in the show notes again, but yeah, let's move forward with our lovely interview today. Um, I'm here with Lily. Say hello. Hello. How are you doing today?
2: So good. I'm so excited for this.
1: Awesome. I'm so excited for you to be here. For everyone listening, me and Lily met on our mission. We both served in the Canada Winnipeg mission. While on our missions, we probably spent very little time together actually in person. Um, We were both COVID missionaries, Um, but it's actually funny for those who may not know. for the missionary communication we could only send one email back and forth every p day um so we'd send voice recordings to each other so it was little mini podcasts in themselves so crazy that we kind of evolved to being here and i lily was one of the first people that i even told that i wanted to do a podcast one day so here we are <laughs> i feel
2: so honored to be on this podcast finally <laughs> yes
1: super exciting Um, Well, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're doing now, what brought you to where you're currently at, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so like Nicole said, I um, served my mission in the Canada-Winnipeg mission. I am originally from Canada, so I grew up in Alberta, which is a couple provinces over from Winnipeg, Um, and I grew up in the church and with a really awesome family who taught me really good values and principles about going to church and kind of helped lay a foundation for my testimony. Um I went to BYU before my mission and took a break to serve and then went right back to BYU. I'm a junior there studying philosophy, pre-law, so currently studying for the LSAT, getting ready to get on with the next part of my education and I am currently in Washington, D.C. on an internship with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation um, to try and just gain more um, understanding about the way the world works and what I can do to help.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And basically to sum that up, Lily is a girl boss and she really is working hard to make change in this world. So I really admire her and all the, all the things that she does. Um, Yeah. So why don't we jump into the questions here? I know I just shared a little bit about another definition of, for me, how I find joy in Christ. And I want to ask, how do you experience slash define joy in Christ when it comes to your faith and your, you know, kind of testimony?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. So I think for me, Jesus Christ and like my relationship with Jesus Christ Um, has definitely evolved over the course of like growing up and um, I think it kind of has evolved from experiences of sadness and experiences of like feeling alone and feeling lost Um, but as I've been able to like look back on those experiences I've seen the savior kind of come through and Bring so much more joy into my life, but it's been pretty minute in the middle in the process of it, kind of thing. And so, um, it's been really interesting to kind of reflect and see how much joy Jesus Christ has brought into my life in hindsight. I think, but looking forward, forward with those um, experiences behind me, I've recognized how much joy comes through listening to God and through involving Jesus Christ in my life. And it's, he's someone that I just really can't live without.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I think that, you know, sometimes we have to look back to see how far we've come. You know, you look back at those moments and you see where he was there. And you said like, it was minute. I think sometimes it, he comes in, in disguise, you know, like, or it can come in so many different ways that we might not least, that we least expect it. And I guess in those situations, like, how do you seek him out and try to, like, sort through the chaos of the, you know, the sadness and the darkness?
2: Yeah. um, I think for me, it's really been a process of, like, reminding myself that he's always there for me. Um, I had several experiences in high school that really built that foundation for me, that testimony of just, like, There were times where I just felt totally alone and totally abandoned. And I didn't really know where to turn to because I'd never really experienced something like this. And then having the savior come in and help and feel like he was there and that he loved me and that he knew me. And so when I come up on trials now and on my mission and everything, where it just felt like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. This is so insurmountable. um, Reminding myself like, okay, we've been here before. We've been to like the hardest experiences already. And so, and Christ helped us. And so we can get through it again. And then also um, I find a lot of peace in reading the Book of Mormon. I just love that book with my whole heart and soul. And every time I open it up, there's something that just totally speaks to me and gives, brings me peace. Um, And so I'll often turn to that when I'm feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed, I'll go and I'll read a scripture and i'm always i'm always amazed even though it happens every time that there's a scripture that really just speaks to exactly what i'm feeling
1: yeah i love that that makes me think about like the covenants that we make our baptismal covenant to always remember him and i think sometimes we think about it in more of a general sense of just like remember him and his sacrifice but when we make it more personalized remember him like in our life remember that he's there for us like we can feel that love even stronger um you, you mentioned your mission in there. Um, I know we sh- had the same mission, but we did did not share this whole same full mission experience for sure. Um, <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about yours. I know you were reassigned uh, because of yeah. COVID. Tell, take us along that journey. What was like your first initial reaction? How did it impact your mission as a whole, etc.?
2: Yeah, actually, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, It's funny, I feel like my experience with reassignment was very different from a lot of the other experiences I've heard from reassignment um, because, so I received my mission call in January of 2020, so before COVID had locked everything down, and I was called to the Texas-Fort Worth mission, and I didn't really want to go to Texas I really wanted to go to Europe. I really wanted to speak a different language and I felt like only people that like had certain problems like went stateside or went um in country and so um I had like that initial like pride I think around my mission call um but everyone I had ever talked to was like oh when you get your mission call and even if it's not what you wanted like you feel like it's right. And so I opened my mission call and I read it and I was just so deflated. And I was like, Texas. And I like kept ex- waiting and expecting me to like, feel like, oh yeah, that's right though. Like that's where I'm supposed to serve. And it never came. And that was really hard for me because I was just like, oh my gosh, Lily, you're so freaking prideful. Like how, like how are you not okay with this mission call? It literally came from Jesus Christ. um And so I was able to kind of like push it to the side. I was like, you know what, whatever, like I'm going to go to Texas and that's going to be fine. It's going to be what I need and everything. Um, But I just still felt a little bit unsettled about it. Um, And then of course the pandemic hit and I had to leave from BYU to go back home to Canada before the border closed. And there's uh, lots of different things happening in my family and personal life that kind of contributed to a lot of stress at that time in my life. Um, And then I was originally called to leave in June and we had that option for missionaries that um, had a call to either defer for a year to a year and a half um, to start in your original mission or to accept your original date and start in a reassignment. And I just like, it wasn't even a question for me. I was like, I'm getting this mission over with. (laughs) I need to start this. Like, this is what I was called. Like, I need to start it. What am I going to do for a year and a half if I don't? Um, And so I elected to do the reassignment and I waited and waited and waited and didn't hear anything about a reassignment. And I got set apart by my state president and there was like no reassignment. And I started the MTC online and all of my like um, companions and other missionaries in my district were getting reassigned stateside and, and everything. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, where is my reassignment? I'm not getting reassigned. And I didn't even have a passport at that point due to some unforeseen circumstances. So I was like, I can't go to Texas. (laughs) Like, um, and the Saturday before I left, I got a call from my state president and he like called me. He was like, Oh, sister Parker, I just want you uh, to know we got your reassignment. And like, before he even said it, I just knew, like, I just had this like overwhelming feeling. Um, I was like, I'm going to Winnipeg now there's only seven missions in Canada. So it wasn't like that (laughs) a revelation or anything like that. Cause I knew I had a one in seven chance. Um, and I just had this overwhelming feeling like I'm going to Winnipeg and he's like, do you want to know where you're going? And I was just like, Winnipeg, isn't it? And he was like, yeah. And that was like, finally, when I felt like, yeah, that's your mission. Like, this is where you're supposed to go. And it was so cool because it was like the piece that I'd been missing and had kind of been like, faking since I'd gotten my original call of just like yeah it's where I'm supposed to go um but it finally came and I was just like so excited to go um and I went and I like rushed into the house and like told my mom and I was like mom I'm going to Winnipeg and she was like I'm so sorry (laughs) that I'm so sorry that's the worst and I was like shut up mom I'm so excited (laughs) but um and so I felt like I was just really excited. I felt like it was really my mission. Um, and I was so like had the fire, um, from the MTC to just be like, I'm going to get out there and Winnipeg is going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And, and so my initial reaction was really good. Um, and then I think coming into the mission and like realizing a little bit, what like missionary service was, especially doing a home MTC program. I don't know if missionaries who served with a home mtc feel the same way but i just felt like that literally did nothing for me <laughs> <I was laughs> like this did not prepare me at all like
1: it is the same
2: yeah <laughs> okay well that's good to know because i was literally like i what <laughs> like the mtc was not at all like this um and so that was a little bit hard definitely the transition into like regular mission life
1: yeah, that's that's wild. <laughs> I, you know, I had a similar, you know, obviously I originally got called to Winnipeg, but I kind of had a similar thing of it just doesn't necessarily feel right. But once I got there and started doing things, of course, that's when it starts to click. Um, with your your mission overall, the full time, what would you what would you think is the most rewarding and the most challenging part of the full experience?
2: Um, I would say. I'll start with the most challenging so we can end with the good parts. Um, The most challenging part for me was definitely companions. Um, I tend to be fairly introverted. And so being with someone 24-7 was an adjustment that I wasn't like super made for. And then I also had several really difficult companions and I probably was a pretty difficult companion um, for some of my transfers that just made missionary work so much harder when you kind of have to like fight with the adversary to like do everything that you're doing and then also feel like you're not being supported in the ways that you need to be supported by your companion it just makes everything so, so much harder. Um, And so that was definitely like probably the most challenging part, but the most rewarding part I think would be just seeing the atonement of Jesus Christ work (laughs) in. And I think that's something that is so unique to missionary work in the sense of how often you get to see it happen and how like devoted you are to like sharing it with other people and like utilizing it in your own life um and seeing it happen with like other missionaries and like members in your ward and just different things like that was just being able to like for me it was the most impactful thing um personally is being able to like learn the like the practice of daily repentance and like really feel like oh my gosh heavenly father sees me, he knows me, he understands my shortcomings and he's forgiving me like every single day as I ask him to forgive me. And then being able to see that again with like investigators um, as they come to like read the book of Mormon the first time. And as they like, oh my gosh, what's this feeling I'm feeling? Why am I crying? And being able to explain like, that's the spirit, that's the atonement of Jesus Christ working in your life. This is the reason why you want to be baptized. And like, it all comes down to this Gift from Christ.
1: That's super cool. I made me think of a lot of different things when you said that. but um for like the the challenging part with like companionships, i I went through that too. I think a lot of, if not most missionaries do, um some more than others, obviously. but <laughs> uh, it makes me think about how, like, you know, in general, in our gospel journeys and in life where it comes to like, our wards, our stakes, our families, whoever groups that we're trying to live the gospel with—that like, why is it so hard? You know, to have so many differing opinions when we're trying to do something so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we have this shared purpose and the same desire, why is it so difficult? And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it really is just like you know another tactic for the adversary trying to go against you know this great goal that we have. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but allowing that to prevail, like you talked about, and the rewarding part and allow the atonement to work every day and to see it in such a wide scale of different situations with yourselves and with others is such like a great thing. And it's like, very rarely do you get to, you know, dedicate every moment of every day to like, let's utilize the atonement and like, see it work. Um, Was there any like particular specific experience where you were able to see that that like you'll always hold with you there probably is more than one but one that you would like to, that you could share
2: um yes <laughs> there was this is actually it's a story that I've told since I got home from my mission but it didn't have an end <laughs> um <laughs> so where there was a man that I taught um a, in a like crazy transfer of my mission I had a companion for three weeks that went home with a brain bleed and we had been in quarantine and it had been like I had been reintroduced into civilization after being in an outlying area for like four and a half months and I like there was just like this crazy transfer and then I was thrown into a trio with two other sisters um and Uh, sometimes when I had transfers like that, it felt like there's like no work that's ever going to be done this transfer. Like I'm just going to survive this transfer. Um, but we made contact with a man named Mike, um, in the area and invited him to do a lesson. This was like kind of the height of COVID. So there was a lot of regulations, but he did not want to do zoom lessons. He only wanted to meet in person. And we met in person with him three times, I think, and all three times. It was just like the most spiritual lessons and like the strongest spirit I felt like. Yeah, I can't really compare it to anything else because I just felt like a total tool used by the Lord um, to just express to Mike what Heavenly Father had to say to him. And it was like the coolest experience. I've never had anything happen before it or since it like that, Um, to be able to just like open my mouth and just say words that weren't my own that were that I just knew was coming straight from Heavenly Father and the impact it had on Mike, just like, totally opened the floodgates totally just was like, how did you know how to say that? Like, how did you know? And I was like, I did it. <laughs> like, I'm 19. I don't know. <laughs> and Um, being able to testify like I'm saying this because it's what God wants me to say it's what God wants you to hear and it was like incredible and we set him on baptismal date, and I was so excited because it was going to be my first baptism of my mission and in this like crazy time and he like wanted to get baptized quickly and so we were like perfect he'd been to church he had met all the requirements and he had a date and we had a suit and everything and then he ghosted us and I just remember being like. The I feel like maybe not all missionaries, but I feel like this is a pretty broad experience for a lot of missionaries when you have someone that you just know is so close and then you totally like harass them after they <laughs> stop talking to you and you're just like, Where did you go? <laughs> kind of thing, like, Come back, <laughs> and you just like send tons and tons of text messages. Oh, yeah. And um, I eventually got a new companion and that went into a really difficult transfer for me, and it was and there was just so much. Going and I just felt like a total failure because I was like, he was perfect. (laughs) Like he was ready. And it what did I do? (laughs) I did something. But um eventually I just had to like realize that like it was in the Lord's hands. It had always been in the Lord's hands, and that it wasn't my fault. (laughs) Whatever had happened, like it wasn't my fault that he'd felt the spirit or that he decided to get baptized, and it wasn't my fault that he had backed away. Um, And actually just last week, I was notified by one of my companions that he got baptized two Saturdays ago by the elders in the area, which was just like, I just started crying. I was at work at my internship and I was just like, I knew it. Like I knew this man was going to get baptized. I knew he knew it was true. And it just was a matter of timing, which is also just like such a fascinating Lesson to me too that like God is so aware of each of our timings and he knew that I needed the experience of teaching Mike to like bolster my testimony about the spirit and the gospel and Mike probably needed to hear things from me and from the other sisters that taught him but he really didn't need to be baptized while we were there with him like he needed more time to think and to ponder and different experiences with other missionaries and it was good for him to get baptized in February of 2023 and not in May of 2021.
1: Yeah, I have a very parallel experience to that, um, that someone who I was teaching in Minnesota before I had to, you know, cross the border because of COVID was supposed to get baptized. And I think this was probably last year at this point that I got a video of like, or maybe two years ago. I don't know. it's been a long time since I've been home from my mission. I feel like long time quote quote unquote. Um, <laughs> that like the elders moved back into that apartment and the same calendar for March of 2020 is up and it has his date like on there but he got baptized a few months after that. So things do do happen eventually in the Lord's time, of course. Um, I love that you were set talking about that like, when you and the sisters were teaching that you were saying things, you're like, I don't know how I said that. I'm just 19, it just came out. And I think like throughout the mission you have, like like you mentioned before about initially getting called to Winnipeg, like sometimes it feels or just feels right, like it's supposed to be. And I think you have those those experiences throughout where you have those like light bulb moments of like, this is the moment me and you in this place and this time wouldn't have happened anything out anywhere else except mm-hmm. for like by God and by his power. Um, But then you also mentioned that like, it wasn't your fault that like, he didn't end up getting baptized. And I think in the same way, like it isn't our, like we can't necessarily attribute everything that we do to someone also being successful in their gospel journey, that really it is them and it is the spirit. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's sometimes a hard pill to swallow though. Yes. I think we as humans think pretty highly of ourselves. At least I do. And I'm consistently reminded to be humble. I
1: was about to say humility is one of the hardest Christ-like attributes, I think. At least yep. For me, at least sometimes. Yep. Oh, gosh. Well, we'll shift gears a little bit and move on to like what you're what you're doing now. your major made your career, your Pre-law studying philosophy. I know that was not always the case. So what led you to what you're doing now? Like what is the motivation behind these decisions?
2: Yeah. Um, so for me, my I've always been really academic. I've always loved learning and especially kind of writing and reading and analytical thinking, definitely not math or science. Um, but choosing a career path and a major has always been a really um heavenly guided thing for me i have known since i was 10 that i wanted to be a lawyer which um is it's funny like i i laugh about it sometimes with my mom and with my parents um because that is it's just so indicative of my personality like i just pick something and i'm just like yeah that's what i'm going to do um but in but re, really I have felt really called to be a lawyer and really like guided um in that path from my heavenly father uh there was a period of time when I was in high school where I was like yeah no that sounds like really hard let's not do that um and I was like I like writing so maybe I'll be like an english teacher and I like picked that for like a year and then I just felt really overwhelming like no I like I think I really need to be a lawyer like I really want to be a lawyer again um, and since then, I've kind of been like, yeah, okay, I'll be a lawyer. Um, but consistently throughout my life, I've received like really specific revelation um, that has said like, like point blank, like you need to go to law school. You need to practice law. Like you need to be an attorney, um, which terrifies me, And <laughs> <laughs> especially at this point in.
1: Like what's ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> at this point, I'm just like okay are we sure that Lily needs to be a lawyer heavenly father (laughs) um I've said lots and lots of prayers like that where I'm just like okay let's be honest like what am I actually supposed to do because like clearly it's not this (laughs) have you seen my test scores (laughs) and um and it's just been so consistent and so loving and so patient that's something that my heavenly father has always been with me is just really loving and really patient and even when I'll like pray and ask him the same question he's answered like 30 times I have consistently gotten the answer like I already told you like you already know I already gave you that revelation It's like I know I just want something else (laughs) (laughs) um but when I came back from my mission I was a political science major um because I was like yeah that feeds into law school pretty good I guess and then I took one class in poli sci and we were learning statistics as just like one section of it and I was like I can't do this. I couldn't, no. I can't do this for the rest of my undergraduate. Like I actually hate this and um, I, I can't do that. And so I like was freaking out cause I have a plan and it wasn't in the plan to switch the major. And I called my dad and I was crying and I was praying. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I hate my major. And my dad was like, change it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Everything is a little bit more of a catastrophe in my brain than it is in reality. Um, but I was able to like say a prayer and like be like, Father, okay, what should I major in? And it was funny because he was like, well, I don't care. <laughs> like, Major in whatever you want. Um, but I had a really... Amazing professor who I really connected with who was teaching a political philosophy class. And I just like, he was in an, he was finishing up his JD um, and preparing to take the bar. And so I was like, okay, like, I love your class and you're going to be a lawyer. Like, tell me a little bit about this. And he was like, oh, I think you would be amazing in philosophy. Like, I think that this would be something you would really be interested in. And you're doing super well in my class. And so that's pretty indicative of how you do in the major. And I said, okay. And so I looked into philosophy and all of the classes sounded really boring, but I was like, I'm just going to trust that what I'm learning is a good representation of the major. And so I like did a little faith leap and switched my major to philosophy and stayed a little bit longer at BYU to do a spring term with my prereq classes in the major and just totally fell in love with it. I've loved every single philosophy class I've taken and felt like it's totally my calling, even to a point where I'm actually prepping to apply for a PhD program alongside my JD program. Wow. Yeah.
1: So exciting. Yeah. That's super cool. Is that like your natural tendency, I guess, to kind of overlap, like, you know, heavenly guidance for, for like the temporal aspects of your life?
2: Um, I think, a little bit. I, I'm a person that has always had a plan. <laughs> like I really thrive off of plans and lists and knowing where I'm going. Um, and often I found that Heavenly Father's like, yeah, this is pretty good, except we're going to tweak a couple of things. And then I have to really like, okay, fine, you can have a little bit of say over my plan. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but it's something that's definitely becoming a lot easier. As I like humble myself and as I have more experience in it and as I mature and everything, being able to be like, oh, actually, yeah, um, I don't know what to do, Heavenly Father. So if you could provide some guidance, that would be really helpful. And I think it's I'm starting to become more comfortable with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ adding to my more temporal side of life than I think I've ever been before, which it takes practice. And I think for me, it's just like, it takes a lot of trust, which is something that I kind of struggle with, <laughs> um, especially when it comes to like life plans. Cause I tend mm-hmm. to think I make pretty good ones, um, but.
1: What, what yeah. advice would you give to someone speaking for myself and for others who probably are interested in this, to someone who is trying to like let go a little bit more and to let Heavenly Father into those like decisions that they're making.
2: Um the number one advice I'd give is that like everything Heavenly Father has told me to do up until this point has worked out and has brought me happiness and it's it's never been easy but something I learned from my mission uh, which I was actually just reminded of the other day was that nothing worthwhile in my life has ever come from something easy it's always come from something hard and so to just kind of remember that but also like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the struggle to let go, at least for me, is like a really big struggle to trust be like, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Like, are you sure? And then to just like take a step back from that and realize like who you're talking to. It's like, of course he knows what he's talking about. Of course he knows me like even better than I know me and he knows the being that I was before I came to this earth he knows the potential I have that I don't even know and he understands the mortal limitations I have Mm -hmm. and so he's like yeah I know you really suck at test taking but guess what if you put the work in and you study then I'm going to help you take the LSAT at least that's what I really am hoping he's doing Uh (laughs) um (laughs) but I think just like remembering that he's your loving heavenly father and also the savior of your soul who's experienced everything that you're experiencing and knows you so perfectly that of course they want what's best for you and so kind of letting go and being like okay I think this is what's right and then also I think having trust when the answers aren't really apparent Mm -hmm. and aren't really Mm -hmm. like oh yeah I know God told me to do this kind of thing that's another thing is just being like okay I'm gonna I'm going to take a step forward in this direction and I'm going to trust that if it's the wrong direction, you're going to tell me. And if it's the right direction, you're going to help me.
1: That's really good. Oh, that's good. I'm going to have to go back and take some notes on what the things you've just said. Cause I'm like, I need to know that. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate um, what you said about like looking back at your past experiences and where he has influenced you before. And kind of like what we were talking about before is like, you can recognize and see how he has led your decisions before or helped your decisions before and think like, did I grow from that experience? I might not have necessarily been happy or loved his answer, but did I grow and did I draw closer to him or draw closer to my potential because of that? So I think that's always like a kind of a good, like gut check and like kind of test of when should I let him in, which is always, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, you mentioned a little bit when you were talking about like your major that you did think about English and because you love writing you're, you're interested in writing and stuff like that and for all those listening you should know that Lily is an amazing poet and I've had the, <laughs> the blessing and the privilege to read a few of her poems and I I don't know how actively she's doing it these days but I'd love to hear about like what led you to poetry as like a creative outlet and like what do you enjoy about it and how has it impacted like your testimony or relationship with Christ
2: well, that's a really good question again. Just it's a little bit loaded. These good questions. Um, so poetry, so yeah, I've loved writing since I could write. I've written stories, and just like I have a document on my computer since I was like probably 12, 11, or 12 of just like stories I've started, and it's that's cool. Ginormous. Um, and the first poem I wrote was when I was a senior in high school and it was based on the talk by sister Reina Alberto, um, through cloud and sunshine, Lord abide with me. And it was about mental health, um, kind of awareness and struggles and like how to love people and like talk about it and how it's not something bad or dirty or scary that we should sweep under the rug. And I've struggled with anxiety for most of my Life, most of my teenage life, at least, and adult life, and so I wrote a poem on anxiety, and I shared it with my mom and a couple of her friends because adults tend to be a little bit more forgiving than kids. Yes, um, and they just like, "Oh, that's beautiful, Lily. Like that's such a powerful poem." And so I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. I wrote that." And then I never wrote a poem again. And I had tried a couple times, and like I just could never figure out the rhyming. Um, but then on my mission. Um, I was in an area where I was super um, isolated and felt really alone. And I was really, really, really struggling to hear him, to hear God speaking in my life. And I was so frustrated by that because I was like, of all the times in my life where I should be able to hear him, like it's now, like it's on my mission when I'm don't have any distractions and everything. And so I remember praying really like fervently and being like, Heavenly Father, like, why aren't you talking to me? Why can't I hear you? Like, why do I feel really alone here? And like, and I'm alone in every other aspect kind of thing. I'm really isolated and my companion is not super talkative and it's really hard. Um, And I felt really prompted, like, oh, Lily, you should write. Mm. And I was like, what am I supposed to write? <laughs> Heavenly Father, like, I thought this was a <laughs> net. I was supposed to leave at home. We've had lessons about this. Like, what am I supposed to write about? Yeah. Um, and I just felt really prompted to like write poetry. And so I just got my phone out and got on my little Google Notes app and started writing my feelings about just like I'm feeling alone and abandoned and anxious and stressed. And through that, I can see Jesus Christ. And I can see that he's here with me and I know that he loves me. And I am pulling on past experiences and knowing that I'm a missionary and knowing that he's here for me. And it started to just blossom into this poetry. And so I started writing about six months out on my mission. And it was such a relief and um way to express how I was feeling on my mission. And then it became a completely a way that I hear God. Um and like I said, like, I really didn't write poetry before. I really struggled with knowing how to rhyme and how to make anything that's like even worth (laughs) listening to or reading. And so I felt really powerfully that the poetry I was writing was from God, that it was really inspiration and that these were the words that he wanted first me to hear, but then he wanted me to share with like other people. Um, and so, it's been such a testimony builder and i've gotten worse and worse at writing it since coming home from my mission just life gets busy and of course things get hard but um it's something i continue to look back on and continue to read and be like oh yeah that's still really true like when i read stuff i wrote about the atonement or about the creation or just different aspects i'm like yeah these are these still build my testimony when i read them and that's another testament to me that they came from jesus christ and heavenly father Mm,
1: that's so good I love that because I think it just goes to show that there's like no traditional or like cookie cutter way to like feel the spirit to feel God's love to hear his voice and we had someone previously on the podcast talking about when they were on their mission they're like well like I had to leave behind so many of like my interests and my vices but like when we you know communicate with him and we figure out like what is something that we can tap into that like there will be a way that we can have that, that communication. So I think that's like super awesome. Um, I think I want to wrap up with one more question you mentioned, you know, since being back, of course, chaos, life, work, school, all these things get overwhelming amongst all of that. Like how do you actively feed your faith and why do you stay and choose to like be engaged in living the gospel?
2: Um. So I think one of the biggest ways that I actively feed my faith is by always reading the Book of Mormon every day um, which isn't something I've been perfect at since coming home from my mission. There's been times where I've been like really good about it and I read it every single day and then there's been times where I'd be like, has it been a month since I opened the Book of Mormon? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, it and and it's so apparent to me post mission, the difference in my life when I'm reading the Book of Mormon consistently and when I'm not. Um, and so that often, like I'll often have like moments and it's usually on a Sunday night where I'm like, my life is not going well. Like, what do I need to change (laughs) kind of thing? And it's the first thought is always like, when was the last time you read the book of Mormon? Um, and so, um, it's something I've been doing consistently throughout the beginning of this year It's just like, I have a study plan on my phone, which makes it so much easier for me to read the book of Mormon than having like a physical copy. Um, and I don't know if this is a common experience, but sometimes I feel a lot of guilt about reading the scriptures on my phone instead of like reading it in like a physical book and like being and spending half an hour and really analyzing, but I've had to kind of get over that because I think it's a tactic of the adversary Mm
1: -hmm. working
2: on my perfectionism to be like, well, if you can't do it perfectly, then you shouldn't do it at all, which is not an eternal principle. (laughs) 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 That is not from Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is just like, read one verse, read one sentence, and you still read the Book of Mormon, (laughs) kind of thing. And so that's been super helpful to just, I'll just have a little notification at seven o'clock every morning that goes off, and I open up my app and read my chapter of my Book of Mormon, and it's, it like seriously makes such a difference. And it's so easy it takes effort because it's consistent but it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Um and then I choose to stay engaged and live the gospel because it's the easiest way to get through difficult a difficult life <laughs> and life is difficult for everyone with different aspects and different things and I just have seen how much the gospel and a knowledge of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the joy that it brings has blessed my life um and so that's been so fundamental and I just like I I there's there's been so many times and I've actually had a friend just ask me recently about why I stay in the gospel and like why I believe what I believe (laughs) and I was pondering on it and I was like because I don't know what else I do like I don't know what the alternative is like I'd probably be really depressed. I'd probably be extremely anxious. And I I just think that there's so much more joy and happiness that comes from it. And actually, interestingly enough, um, I've started attending Institute really regularly while out here in DC, um, because I don't have my normal BYU religion classes that I normally have, which is usually my excuse to not go to Institute. Um, and Institute has been amazing. It's been such a blessing to like sit and to listen to um, people's insights and comments um, from such a variety of backgrounds, which is something I think I miss out a little bit on at in BYU religion classes. Um, because we all to an extent are in the same <laughs> experiencing the same things as students at BYU. But out here, like there's lawyers for the Navy in my class, and there's um people in law school and there's people who work on the hill and there's people in dentist school and just all sorts of different things um and so institute has been such a blessing to be able to just like come together and really see the gospel through a new lens um and i just think that i received a little bit of a slap on the wrist from the savior when i first started going and started really feeling like oh my gosh this is something i've been missing out on he was like Institute is available in Provo, Lily. (laughs) It's been here. I was was like, I know. Okay. Yes. We're going to go to Institute when we get back, (laughs) but it's been such an amazing blessing in my life.
1: That's awesome. Yes. We love the Institute vlog. Thank you for that. We're all, we're big fans over here. And, you know, I, I really resonate with you, what you said about, you know, feeling guilty sometimes that we're not going to like the paper copy or we're not going to like make it a 30 minute thing, or we're not like diving deep, whatever it may be. And it's like, well, they made the app for a reason. Like if they didn't want us to read it on the app, they wouldn't have made the app. Like, (laughs) like make it that simple. Um, I appreciate your testimony so much. You shared so many wonderful insights. And like I said before, I'm going to have to go back and take some notes. Um, But thank you so much for like taking your Time to like come join us today on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having
1: me. Yeah. And for all our listeners, just another reminder to share this podcast episode with those who you think might need it or anyone who you think could need some more spiritual upliftment in their life or potentially want to know more about Institute or want to know more about how they can experience the joy of Jesus Christ. And just so you know, where to find us and where to register for the class will all be in the show notes. Thank you again, Lily, for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening and join us next week on experiencing the joy of Jesus Christ podcast. Bye.